0: Thank you, Leslie. Uh, welcome again. Today uh, we're going to dance around a little bit in Colossians chapter one. So Leslie got us off to a good start, and I want to invite you just to consider this chapter as a uh, as something that we're going to explore together. We're going to try to get into some of what Paul's saying and some some of our our theme today, looking at learning and growth and our teachers. So uh, I noticed reading through this chapter, I knew I wanted to do something with the closing verses of the chapter today. Uh, But then as I read the rest of it, I was struck by the number of words that fall into the growth or understanding or development or movement department. So here's a few of those words. Learning, hearing, uh, hearing four times in the chapter making something known three times in the chapter, knowledge twice in the chapter, wisdom twice in the chapter, understanding to walk, to increase, to bear fruit twice in the chapter, being strengthened to continue a mystery that has been hidden and then now it's been revealed, a warning, a teaching, maturity, holiness, blamelessness, and toil. It's not just here. This is just one place. This is our example today. All throughout Scripture, there is a call to learn, to grow. We can look back at the Ten Commandments, at God's gift to our ancestors in the law, something that was supposed to set them free from the chaos that they lived in, a law that would lead them to God and lead them to love one another and take care of one another instead of destroy one another and step on one another. Uh, it, was a, it was a liberating gift. It was a liberating law that was given to us and a freedom of education. So many other places in Scripture, but today we're going to look here in Colossians. And it's just a reminder to me that we can say with full confidence that Christianity dignifies the human person. Christianity dignifies our capacities as human beings, recognizing that we are dynamic creatures who can And must be developed in our bodies and our souls? Have we considered, for example, why God did not simply create us ready to live in the world right out of the box? Why are we not just ready for all the things that we do today? Why are we not ready for that to begin with? Why do we have to go through all that you know diaper changing and development stuff? Why must we learn through practice, be it tying our shoes or reading? or hitting the fairway with our drive, something some of us are still trying to perfect. Um, When we find ourselves participating in this work, we realize we are working in the image of God. We are answering God's call. And some of us, experiencing the joy of learning and sensing the great need for learning in the world, devote ourselves to this work, to this art. And we refer to you all, as teachers. Teachers. I came across this quote a few weeks ago from Gregory of Nazianzus. Uh, They called him Gregory the theologian. He was writing in the fourth century, and here's what he said. The leadership of men and women, the craftiest and most complicated of all creatures, seems to me the art of art and the science of sciences. Is that great? human beings, complex and crafty as we are, the leadership uh, of us, of children, of adults, everybody along the way, he said, seems to me the art of arts and the science of sciences. I just love that. And I know that those of you in the teaching profession uh, and also just if you've raised children and served in that way, uh, you can sense that this is in fact a true thing. There are many times I want my children or the people I'm serving among to behave like numbers on a spreadsheet and they just don't. they're crap they're crafty <laughs> we are crafty right We're, we we run all over the place so I think Gregory's right it's the, the art of arts the science of sciences my teachers looking back they exhibited much patience must much diligence in my education I thought of just a few of them for example and many of you could do the same exercise and tell us great stories about teachers that served you over the years But I was thinking this week of Mrs. Dobbs, my kindergarten teacher, uh, who, in the absence of a gray crayon in my crayon package, taught me that you could mix black and white and make gray. I was really stressed out that I couldn't draw gray because my shoes were gray and we were supposed to color a picture of ourselves. Uh, and, and I couldn't figure out how to do gray. And she's like, well, black and white mixed together. I was like, you're a genius. That's amazing. I haven't forgot that to this day. You can mix colors and make other colors. I, I was a little slow, but yeah, anyway. Or Mrs. Dosher, my sixth grade teacher, who taught me how to put words in a notebook. She taught me that there were thoughts in my head that were worth writing down and worth editing and worth even sharing with the class, with the world. Then there was Mr. Molina, my junior high principal. Well, he, he wasn't the only principal, but he was the one that dealt with discipline. And uh, I just happened to pass him in the hall. No, One day I was sitting in his office, and he taught me about law. He taught me about learning to respect and revere the law and its value in the midst of all of us hooligans trying to learn to get along. It was a hard lesson, but I'm thankful to him for it. In high school, there was Mrs. Shuler, who, in a small town high school, she was my English teacher and my Spanish teacher, uh, and taught me very well, but she was one of the people that taught me a love of language, a love of grammar, and I still use the skills that she taught me every week, the things that she taught me. When Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossae, he is explaining to them some of the work that needs to be done and he's explaining to them also some of the reason why he does some of the work that he does he says in verse 21 and you all who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds christ is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you as holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard so he's saying there's these great promises there's this great thing that Christ has done for you and it belongs to you providing that you continue in it if you continue y'all continue we continue the will to continue in anything but the will to continue in faith stable and steadfast is something that must be developed, and it takes all of us. It takes football coaches, grandmothers, ag teachers, science teachers, grandfathers, learning specialists, history teachers, parents, counselors, math teachers, friends, administrators, all-around classroom teachers, custodians, librarians, and I, I could go on and on. I know I'm missing people, but the will to continue in the faith stable and steadfast, must be developed. And teachers, I wonder if you might resonate with the Apostle Paul as he explains to the church in Colossae his mission, his motive, and where he gets his energy uh, to keep up the good work, so to speak. Uh, First of all, Paul's mission. What does he perceive as his mission? Why does he tell them and Again, if you're a teacher or someone who works in the development of people, I think you'll resonate with this just a little bit. Mission, Paul says, my mission is to make the the word of God fully known. And later he says to present everyone perfect in Christ. And I think of teachers when I see that phrase because Paul's saying, I need to present everyone. It's a very expansive term saying, I'm not just interested in just a few of y'all that have gathered together, and they're the, you know, the the, the spiritual Olympians. <laughs> He's saying, I want everybody to be presented mature in Christ. That's my job, Paul says. That's what I've got to do. And then he says, here's my motive. <clears throat> my motive is that I have received stewardship from God. I've received the gift to serve you as someone who's leading and teaching among you. I've received this gift. From God, and, and I see it as a stewardship thing. So Paul's saying, it's, it's just for me, it's stewardship. I have the gifts. I have the calling to serve you, and I must do that. Again, teacher, no teacher uh, sticks around very long without knowing that they have been given those gifts and this this connection with a calling, with a way to serve. And then finally, Paul explains to us where he gets his energy, where he gets the energy to continue, uh, because we know that Anytime you're working with the development of human beings, it gets difficult. But Paul says, in the last verse of the chapter, telling us what he's going to do, and he says, for this, this thing I've just told you, this mission, for this I toil, struggling with all of Christ's energy that he powerfully works within me. Isn't that great? I struggle with this work. But I struggle with energy that is supplied for me by God. It's not just me uh, finding, you know, reaching down and finding something else, but I actually feel as though I'm someone who's inspired by God and given the energy to continue in this work. And Paul's saying in his own development, he must be inspired and grown. I love that he shares that with us, the why and the how of, of what he's up to. Many times I find strength. In this uh, to keep going in Paul's words and his logic for what it takes and why he's up to what he's up to the work of the church then gets very specific like all good curriculum so Paul's we're seeing ourselves in the image of Paul who's teaching uh, but this work can't be done this work of Christianity this work of discipleship it just simply can't be done without the formation of the intellect and the will, which happens at home and at school and in literature and art and music and tradition. I want to close just with the specificity of the Christian curriculum uh, as we've talked kind of with the generalities about teaching and honoring our teachers, the dignity that God gives to the learning process that we take part in. Um, And can't think of a better way to talk about the specificity of the Christian curriculum, than to share uh, with you what has been shared with us in this chapter, in this text, uh, from verses 15 to 20. Or right after where Leslie stopped reading uh, through verse 20, there Paul places in this in this letter a well-known Christian hymn. And we're not the first person to sing hymns. I know, I know y'all know that, but they were singing hymns in those days, trying to capture who Christ was, who God was, and what this this God was up to uh, with them. And so Paul shares this early church hymn. He is the image, Christ is the image, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, because in Christ all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers, whether rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Christ And for Christ. Christ is indeed before all things, and in Christ all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, having made peace through the blood of his cross whether those on earth or those in heaven. Now, I apologize for not being able to sing that for you. Uh, maybe some of our musicians will write some music for that in a way that we can uh, sing it next time instead of me just reading it. But what a beautiful little passage and something that just sort of lifts our attention. Now, this is one of those things that would be great to carry around in your back pocket and just read and kind of get the sense of. Paul was defending the centrality of Christ to a group of people who were very spiritual, but they weren't really growing. They were interested in the excitement of visions and dreams and angels and all the stuff. But they weren't growing. They weren't bearing fruit. They weren't looking like Christ. And so Paul's saying, y'all are deviating from the course here. You have to remember that, that unless we are looking like Jesus, that we're missing the mark in our growth in our development. So he closes this hymn talking about the peace that Christ achieves for us through the blood of his cross. And that's really the core of of Paul's work. It's the core of our work, whether we're teaching Sunday school or in worship services, visiting people in the hospital, having conversations with our friends. We're working out what it means to be people who have been redeemed through this cross, through the peace that God gave us through the blood of the cross. And so when Paul says, I struggle with all of the energy that Christ gives me to present everyone perfect or mature in Christ, he's working from this center of the cross. Uh, John Wesley said something really similar uh, when he was writing and sort of defending uh, the cause and the need for the Methodist movement. He said, you know, I think sometimes that the reason that God placed us on the earth, us known as Methodists, is that we might help people remember, help the church remember that we are called to be sanctified, that we're called to grow up in our faith, that we're not just punching a ticket to heaven, but we're growing and developing and more and more day after day, we are looking like the Jesus who loved us enough to save us. And we don't have to do that ourselves. We don't have to be holy rollers and beat people over the head with Bibles, but that comes through being connected to Christ who gives us energy for the work that lies ahead. So here's to growing up in our faith. Here's to our wills and our intellects being developed, whether we're six or 60. If you see a teacher this week, thank them, say a prayer for him. And I know just from my little experience in educating others that that it's very easy to get discouraged. And when I get discouraged, I lean on the inspiration that the Holy Spirit gives through you, through the church, through this testimony of Paul and others who are working from the logic of the cross to continue serving, even when it's hard. So for those of you who are in that work, And those of us who are hoping to support you in that work, thank you for what you do. And may we all be reminded of the joy and the honor of being able to grow in Christ as human beings who are created in the image of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.